On this episode of the Breaking the Game podcast, Austin and I are joined once again by Lee Branscombe of HoopsProspects.com. We're going to go over the teams from the Memphis Grizzlies to the Orlando Magic alphabetically. There's going to be eight teams all in all. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, just stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for being here. We'll be right back after this video. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Break the Game podcast. We have Lee, like I mentioned just earlier. We have Austin, my co-host, the full full crew. Uh, Austin, how are you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, man. How you doing, Stephen? It's been a long week over here for me. Yeah, it's uh, I'm right there with you. You know, my wife is uh, is about 37 weeks pregnant now, so a little bit of just preparation, Oof. getting ready. You got a car seat you today. Got you got the go bag packed up. So you got. You know, I might I might have I to split in the middle of this episode and go have a baby. So. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't think of a better reason. Yeah, right. But uh, man, super stoked. It's always good when Lee, you know, comes on here and, and graces oh, our sure, our podcast sure. with uh, you know, his his NCAA basketball knowledge. Man, it's uh, it's great to have you today, Lee. How are you doing, brother? I just appreciate you guys giving me somewhere to uh, spout my crazy opinions. So uh, you, you guys are the best. But yeah, it's been a fun. We love having you. You know, it's uh. It's nice to look back and, and kind of recap and and, uh, and and banter it up with you fellas. Yeah, and I like the fact, too, that, like, you know, it would be nice if we could just sit down and go give it a full four-hour setting right. in, one, in one time. But, um, you know, it's nice to let my, you know, my thoughts mature as much as they possibly can in my brain, right? Like, so, I mean, still infantile in a way. But uh, it's nice to be able to kind of brew on this and think about it a little bit more after the fact instead of just – reacting in the heat of the moment right precisely definitely right. definitely that's right and we left off last time talking about the los angeles lakers that leads us to our next team who you know might be one of the league pass darlings this season with especially with the the schedule release doesn't look like we're going to get to see a lot of primetime grizzly games uh lee how did you how do you feel about how memphis did in the draft this year they they got um, Desmond Bain, they traded up to the number 30 pick from the Boston Celtics to get him. And then they got uh, Xavier Tillman uh, Sr. at 35. How do you feel like they did, brother? Yeah, um, well, it's it's just funny because, you know, people have been making the joke that, like, the, the NBA draft Twitter is basically running the Memphis Grizzlies because they keep taking <laughs> kind of all of these, like, NBA Twitter darlings, which um, – Sometimes I am I am on board with NBA Twitter draft darlings, and sometimes I'm not. Um, I, you know, Desmond Bain and Tillman were never um, they never got anywhere above like late first round for me. Desmond Bain was picked 30th. I had him at 26th. He actually creeped up the board late, um, kind of into my uh, you know mid to late first round. Xavier Tillman, kind of similar similar thing. You know, he was picked at 35. I had him at 41. So, like, all in all, I was never crazy about either one of these guys. Like we've talked about before, there's only going to be, like, 22, max 25 players mm -hmm. from each draft that become second contract or even rotational players. Um, so, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is, even though I wasn't enthralled with either one of these prospects, the value at where the Grizzlies got them, and from a need perspective on their roster to continue to add passing and defense and, and, and wings that can make shots around John Morant, 
I give it a B. Like like nothing to write home about in my opinion, but like very solid. Okay. Austin, how do you feel about this um, draft for the Grizzlies? Well, uh, you know, Xavier Tillman, he's a Michigan State guy. You know how I feel about guys that are there coached by Tom Izzo. So I, I, I definitely like that pick for sure. Um, 35, you know, that's a pretty good spot for him, I feel like. Maybe a little bit high. Um, and then Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is somebody that going into the draft I didn't know a whole lot about, but I heard his name enough to do some research on him. He was one of those cliche late riser type guys. You know what I mean? How mm-hmm. It seems like the last couple of days before the draft, just about everybody's rising up the board all at once. Um, but he's a good shooter. He's a solid shooter, you know, so they, they definitely added, you know, a weapon on offense that they, they needed to kind of help round out their, their roster. So, um, I was right there about a B B minus as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, just to make my statement quick, I get him at a C minus. I'm not high on Bain at all. I didn't think mm-hmm. that he would, he was like low end second round draft pick for me just because mainly all he brought to the table was shooting. And I think, you know, just playing at TCU, low pressure, um, you know, not a lot of high, high competition, maybe two or three games a season where he was really playing high quality basketball. Um, I'm bigger on Tillman than I was Bain, but even still, I didn't have him anywhere near 30, 35 to me. I would have liked to seen them take stabs at guys like, uh, you know, Robert Woodard III, Jamius Ramsey, Jordan Nora. um, If they're looking for like an outside guy and then for an interior guy, I had better grades for. Um, Vernon Carey Jr., Oturu, and Nick Richards, I would have taken them all over Tillman. So with all of those guys being available where they selected these two guys respectively, uh, I just felt like it wasn't the worst draft on the night by far, but uh, ultimately I ended up giving them a C-. minus. Yeah, and and they, they ended up trading Robert Woodard, you know, because that was mm-hmm. their 40th pick that they shipped out. So I'm with you. Like, I prefer Woodard. Um Bane, he was such a strange one for me because there was a lot of things on tape to like about him. I just there was kind of this un, unquantifiable hesitation. Yeah. yeah, about like just the way he moves. And it's like really hard to explain. But he's just kind of like a boxy mover. He didn't seem like the most fluid guy. But at the end of the day, he was like a 45% three-point shooter. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's why, you know, I, I I that's why he snuck up for me a little bit, just because I was like. Kind of like we've talked about in the past, Stephen. It's like, okay, my eyes are telling me one thing, but then he, there all the, there are some statistical, you know, support to him being an, a productive NBA player. So that was right, the only yeah. thing I wanted to add on that. Yeah, I could yeah. be completely wrong on him, and you know, have to eat, you know, some crow on him. Go ahead, Austin. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I would have liked to see them go with, you know, maybe somebody that's a little, you know, like a younger, like upside type prospect. You know, they're this pretty young team, so they don't necessarily need to go after guys that they think are ready right now to play. Yeah, that's so, a fair you know, point. I could have taken, you know, maybe they took a little bit of a, a reach to try to get a guy that's going to be a little bit better down the road. We'll see. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. All right, we'll transition now to the Miami Heat. You know, they just had a very, you know, very solid year. Uh, you know, losing to the Lakers in the finals, Austin. There you go. There's another pat on the back for your Lakers there. Thank you, sir. You, you, <laughs> I know I know that they're starving for attention right now. Right. So um, I'm, I'm glad I can help. But the Miami Heat, they only had one draft pick. Uh, they had the 20th pick, and they selected Preston Achua. You know, a lot of scouts are, are back and forth on this guy. I know a lot of draft analysts, you know, including you, Lee, kind of back and forth on him as well. Uh, yep. You know, for me, I'll, I'll just speak on my note real quick. I just had a short one. Um, he was 33rd on my board, so not 
too terribly far off right from where he was selected. I get the idea of why they like him, especially with all the BAM comps. I think that he's probably a closer comparison to to BAM Adebayo than Onyeka Okongwu, just in my opinion, right? But um, mm-hmm. again, we talk about this all the time. BAM wasn't BAM when he was selected by Miami, right? So it's hard to project you know, exactly how a guy is going to grow mm-hmm. into something that he wasn't when he was taken, right? So you know, Precious playing in Memphis, you know, everyone thinks that he can guard the one through five. That may be a little bit generous. Maybe, you know, two, three positions is what I'm thinking ideally. Um, but overall, I would have liked to seen them take a guy like RJ Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly, a Jaden McDaniels. Um, but ultimately, this is a pick that I think works out better for the prospect than it does the team. If he was taken anywhere else, I think I would not like it as much. Ultimately, I gave them a C plus, Lee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, the heat are pretty quick, just one selection at 20. Uh, so precious was an interesting one because, you know, I had him at 36, so I really wasn't that high on him on my final board. And then to your point, Miami takes him at 20 and I've been, I've stayed pretty confident with like most of my, really all of my draft opinions so far, precious was the one that I'm really rethinking Right. One, because of what you said, Miami took him. And I like his chances to succeed in Miami more than I do some of the other places he could have gone. I also thought from a roster fit, you saw when Bam was hurt uh, Mm -hmm. in the playoffs for Miami that that was such a gaping hole for them. And I'm not saying Precious can fill that hole right away. Right. But but the Heat need to throw dartboards at front court depth because if something like that happens again – it can't be so debilitating for them. They need to be able to plug and play somebody else in the front court that can help. Precious is a good swing on that. So he's really been the one guy that I'm like regretting a little bit. What did I miss type thing? Yeah. 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 Cause I think the, I think I underrated the defensive versatility like that you talked about and he's got a chance to improve on the offensive end. It's not completely broken. He just needs development. There's a uh, lot there to improve upon, though. So mm-hmm. there is. No, there, there totally is. I mean, the shot is very much hit or miss. It's not consistent yet. He can, you know, on one possession, he he takes a stretch three, and you're like, why isn't this guy a top 10 pick? And then the next possession, he, like, hits the side of the backboard, you know. Yeah, um, or turns the ball over pretty turns, easily. Right. Yeah. Sounds like so, Miles Turner. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yep. if he becomes Miles Turner, I think they'll be – They'll be all right with that, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, I would. <laughs> um, but 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 then again, like the Pacers also can't trade Miles Turner right now, so I you know I don't know how, how great he is. I guess, anyways, right. <laughs> like a B plus because I am kind of I'm warming to Precious. <laughs> yeah, me too, and that's kind of where I fall. Awesome. What do you think, man? Of their their one selection that they had. I actually gave them a C for this one pick. You know, Precious just didn't really stick out a whole lot to me in, in what I watched of him. He just kind of seemed like he had a lot of holes in his game. He's definitely got a lot of uh, work to do, that's for sure. And it wouldn't it be nice if everybody that was that size with that athletic profile just turned out to be Bam Adebayo? You know what I mean? If that's, sure would. If that's the plan for everybody that looks like, you know, that looks like that, then I think they'll be great. But in all reality, you know, guys like Bam are – once it'll come along once in a gen, you know, in a generation usually. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it's fair to expect him to turn into anything like Bam. 
And I just, I don't know. I felt like I get what you're saying about needing a, another big when, when Bam was off the court, but it, he just seems really redundant to me. And I feel like there's uh, a lot of better options still available that they could have taken there. So I gave him like a C, C minus. I wasn't too high on this pick. Yeah. And even Bam, just real quick before we move on, he had like projectable offensive tools, right? Lee, like he mm-hmm. had a workable <laughs> mid range shot in college, mm-hmm. which kind of gives you a little bit of warm fuzzy that he could stretch that out. And like he could even hit that like off of a one dribble, you know, not like breaking down a defense, but he could take it, put the ball on the ground one time and then pull up and hit a mid range shot. Right. So he had projectable tools there. Precious doesn't doesn't even have that, you know, so it's kind of hard to really gauge how he can move forward and be a Bam Adebayo. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. It seems a lot like a project to me. I don't know if that's what Miami needed. I mean, we've seen what they've done with undrafted and second round draft picks and, you know, like people that other, you know, otherwise would give up on those guys, you know, Miami done wonders. So true. You know, I'm kind of like Lee, you know, like if, if Miami sees something and I'm like, I, that made me second guess myself where he was selected mm-hmm. for sure. But speaking of second guessing uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, we all know that they're trying to do everything they can to appease uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. They had the hiccup with, um, you know, Bogan Bogdanovich out of Sacramento. They got, you know, they got a good ball handler in Drew Holiday. And in this draft, they had two second round picks that they ended up using. They took uh, Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill at 45 and 60, respectively. Um, Austin, how do you feel like Milwaukee did in this draft? Well, considering, you know, where they were picking, I think they did fairly well. You know, I actually like Sam Merrill. He's kind of a, a darling of our network, I think, so to speak, yeah. where I first heard his name. So yeah, I was Chris happy to LeBron see, was, is a big fan. Right. I was happy to see him get drafted. And Jordan Moore, I like too. You know, they're both pretty solid picks. I feel like they were decent value where they were taken. So I gave them like a, a B, B plus. Okay. Lee, what about you, brother? Yeah, Um so I gave the Bucks a C, uh, and you know, to your point about the trade, this will be the last picks we see for the Milwaukee Bucks for a long time. They shipped <laughs> right. out like the entire draft war chest to bring in Drew Holiday. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this will be the glass grade they get for a while. Um, so that you're right, they traded away RJ Hampton with the 24th pick in that uh, Drew Holiday deal, mm-hmm. um, which I thought of. You know, maybe they couldn't have got the deal done without throwing the 24th pick in, but most likely. Most likely, right? He would have been a nice long-term piece for them. Yeah, I um, really like RJ. Wara, right where I had him, I had Wara at, at, at um 43, and they took him at 45. So very much in sync there of, of where I felt like he was reasonable value. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a six set. He's a six seven wing that was a plus 40 percent three point shooter at Louisville. Um, he's got a little bit of on ball creation, but certainly not going to walk in the NBA as like a as like an on the ball wing um, offensive type. Um, but look, he's a, he's another big wing that can stretch the floor and, and maybe play a little bit um, alongside Giannis. They're, they're always looking for, I mean, I mean, Pat Connaughton, like can, can Jordan Wara be an upgrade to Pat Connaughton? Maybe, maybe not, but I yeah. get why they did it. Um, and then Sam Merrill, he was, on, he was off my board, but he was certainly one of those guys that was that would have been right there. I think he was. I mean, he was top eighty for me. So again, another shooter, veteran player with you know experienced player with uh, with some ball skills as well. Um, he might be a two way guy for a little bit, but um, not a bad um, not bad value for the Bucks. But 
you know, trading away RJ, I just figure I'll give him a C. I, I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, that's a fair point. I didn't, I didn't really consider much about trading away RJ, who I think been a great long-term prospect for the team in order to bring in a drew holiday but i at the same time i understand you know trading wayne rj hampton for a drew holiday if you feel like that helps you keep Giannis onto the kumpo so like you could yeah you can cut that cake out you know so many different ways uh i gave the bucks an a minus uh i had jordan norwa actually 29th on my board yeah. Um, which I understand, like I just got done talking about Bain. Uh, Nora, Nora, I think, has a little bit of the same characteristics. I just think that he's a more aggressive defender than Bain. Uh, you know, playing in Louisville, you kind of have to be at least kind of somewhat capable on both ends of the ball to get consistent burn. Uh, he's a, a great rebounder, too. I don't think that that was anything that got talked about a whole heck of a lot in his evaluations. You know, he almost got eight rebounds a game you know, as a perimeter player. So he, he shows like he could probably be multi-positional and uh, obviously the, the great three point shooting shot over 80% from the free throw line. So that typically indicates that he's going to be able to carry that out throughout his career, that he'll be a, a good long range threat. I didn't have, <laughs> I'm sorry, my buddy Rafi Garrett said, y'all are talking basketball, but Aaron Jones just had a 77-yard run for a touchdown. Appreciate you coming on here. And uh, I wish it was a pass instead. I've got Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, I got Williams in, in on a flex uh, right now because of bye weeks. But anyway, back to basketball. <laughs> uh, Sam Merrill, uh, like you, Lee, he wasn't in my top 60 at all. But again, you know, when you look at what the Bucks need, surrounding Giannis with shooters, I think is a good idea. And, you know, taking it 60, the odds of him getting consistent playing time are very slim. But, you know, he could be this draft's Isaiah Thomas. You know there what I mean? Go. He could end up being one of those guys that gets consistent playing time. And, you know, if you can shoot the three, which Merrill showed that he can, he showed that he can play make a little bit at, yep. you know, right. at the collegiate level. So, Maybe he ended up could doing well, even though I didn't grade him out that high. It may be more so where where he was taken, uh, you know, by the team as opposed to where he was taken numerically on the board. Kind of like how we were talking about with Precious, right? Um, yep. Basically, you know, to boil it all down, I think that both of these guys addressed the perimeter need that Milwaukee had, especially with missing out on Bobin and, you know, trying to just keep Giannis happy. I think taking two excellent shooters you know a minus for me i could be talked down to a b plus but nothing lower than that for for those guys all right now we got the minnesota timberwolves and we all know that they were blessed with the honor of having the number one pick and a less than stellar star filled draft um they took anthony edwards number one leandro balmaro ends up coming over at the 23 spot and then they also end up getting Jaden mcdaniels in a series of trades that involved the Thunder and a bunch of other people, we won't, you know, try to untangle this ball of yarn right here on the show, but a lot of trade activity between those two teams. Mm-hmm. Austin, what did you think about the Timberwolves draft night? Well, obviously, you know, they were the number one overall pick, so they were the, you know, arguably the big winners, even if they mess it up, you know, they'd have to mess it up pretty bad to not at least, you know, immediately come out as, you know, on top. So, you know, I like Anthony Edwards. I think he's got, you know, great size, great scoring ability. I think he has all the tools and potential to be a future star in this league. You know, I think this draft's going to kind of fool some people. I think we're going to get quite a few, you know, pretty good NBA players out of this draft, you know, all-stars, perennial all-stars and better even. 
So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty high on some of the guys in this class. I just feel like a lot of times it, it, it ends up shaking out that way. Whenever everybody consensus is that this is a little bit weaker class, it turns out not to be the case. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be too surprised if that's how it went with this one as well. Um, but, you know, Edwards, obviously the number one pick. I, I like Ball, but Ball doesn't really fit for their roster as well as Edwards. So I think it was a great pick from that aspect. Um so for that one, I'll give them an A. And I forgot who else did they take? Balmaro. Yeah, it's Balmaro. Mm -hmm. Don't know a whole lot about him, and that's why we have Lee on the show tonight because he can fill me in <laughs> and educate me a little bit on him. And they yeah. took Jaden McDaniel's also. Um, also oh yeah, I, I I do know Jaden McDaniel's. Yeah, I like him for sure. I think you had him pretty high on your list, and yeah, fifth on was, my board. I was pretty I was pretty high on him as well. I, I wasn't quite wasn't quite that fond of him but when i like I, a guy i, I, I like, like him. him a lot hey so. there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> but yeah, yeah so i gave him an a, for the two picks that i who the guys actually know a little bit about I'll, i gave him an a so an incomplete a all right lee are you gonna mm -hmm. you gonna be able to talk him down a little bit off of that or up even higher what uh, do you think so i had a b so i you know I, I it's funny because this uh this grouping you know we've been kind of going through with different groups alphabetically this mm -hmm. is the first group that I feel like I didn't completely have to like rip a team for what they did. I, yeah. I honestly, I mean, I think my lowest grade is a C with the Bucks. So, um, well, you know, Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards was my number one player. They took him number one. I support that decision. Um, Balmaro is is a Spanish kind of jumbo point playmaking. Yeah, kind of combo guard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's six six. He can create on the ball. He, he can he can he sh his shooting statistics weren't eye popping, but he, he's a solid shooter, so he can play off the ball as well. And obviously, his size gives him some defensive versatility. He's not going to be a guy I don't think that comes over right away. So actually, I believe he already resigned um, to go back to Real. So mm -hmm. you know, you may not see Balmaro for a year or two, and that's probably okay because the Wolves brought in rookie R Ricky Rubio this offseason too. Um, so with Russell and Rubio, there's just really a, not a ton of uh, on on the ball minutes to be had in Minnesota. So that's fine. Even though I wasn't crazy about Balmaro, um, he was not actually on my board. That was probably one of the main guys that I did not have uh, being drafted that was. And, mm -hmm. and then Jaden McDaniels, I had him at 28th on my board. They got him at 28th. I thought that was – um, because I see what you see, Steven, from an upside. Uh, there it is, Chris. Off the ball. Hey, He's I thought so it. Good at pointing that out. <laughs> yeah. He always it's just something it. I have to just not say every time it's because like we, a, it's like he's got a bell ready to go on his computer every time somebody alert. says it. it. it <laughs> right. It's That's a woge bomb. Um, tripwire. But yeah, so so that was that was like the range for McDaniel's where I thought the risk reward profile was 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 warranted, and um, for the Timberwolves to take a swing on a six ten wing with ball, with guard skills that late in the first round, you know, more power to him. So solid B for me. Yeah, I echo those same sentiments. Lee actually gave them just a straight up B. Uh, Anthony Edwards. Um, I hated that they drafted for need, so to speak, here because Ooh. there were, in my eyes, he he was sixth on my board, right? right. And uh, I actually had McDaniel's above them, so that kind of helped help them out uh, for my grade. Um, I think that there was a better player that they could have taken also for need, and that was Obi Toppin. 
I just think that he's got a more NBA ready game. Uh, I think playing, he can play next to cat. They can, both of those guys can shoot. Right. So like how often do you have a front court where your four and your five could stretch the defense open to create, Mm -hmm. you know, lanes for, you know, D'Angelo Russell taking Edwards also doesn't make sense when you consider that they just gave, um, golly, what's his name? Uh, Malik Beasley. They just gave Malik Beasley a four year, $72 million contract also has, you know, you know, an an investigation open on him too. So maybe that's why, but you know, which one of these guys do you start at the two? Does one of them play the three? Uh, But neither one of these guys are typical, your typical, like three sized players. So you're going to be playing small. Um, So I didn't really like that. And we talked about, you know, his lack of like effort attitude sometimes when he was playing, you know, in, in Georgia. So he's, I don't know if giving him the distinct honor of being the number one pick and the most money awarded to any other rookie necessarily curbs that, especially in Minnesota where Carl Anthony Towns and, um, you know, Andrew Wiggins kind of had similar character flags as well, right? So maybe we see something kind of repeatable there. Leandro Balmaro, I had him 39th on my board. Um, I probably would even talk them down a little bit lower in a grade, actually, Lee, if you're correct, and he doesn't come over and play immediately. Uh, you know, even though they have Ricky Rubio, they don't really have, you know, a lot of creation depth outside of those two. And it doesn't hurt to have, you know, a third guy who can come up and run a simple pick and roll offense even. Right. But they made they made up for a lot of those errors in my eyes, taking my fifth overall prospect at number 28. I do see a huge upside for, you know, Jane and McDaniel. I think that the the style of play that happened in Washington doesn't really suit someone of his size and build and ability to create on the perimeter, right? So, you know, I just, I gave them a B, didn't didn't hate it, didn't love it. But, you know, a lot of these guys made sense where they were taken ultimately. So with that, we can transition to the New Orleans Pelicans, Lee. What kind of grade did you give them, brother? I love what the Pelicans did in regards to their 13th pick. They got Kira Lewis Jr., a sophomore point guard out of Alabama, uh, Kira Lewis Jr. was seventh on my board. I was incredibly bullish on him as, as the next level point guard. And I think it's a good fit with Drew Holiday leaving. Uh, there's actually some opportunity there for Kira Lewis to uh, step in and contribute right away. And I think he's as much as I think he has untapped improvement, uh, you know, I think he also can be an immediate contributor, which is why I'm so high on him. So um, the, the, B plus, but the only reason why it wasn't an A plus because I love Kira was because they traded away Elijah Hughes and Nick Richards on draft night. And I loved both of those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Austin, your thoughts. Well, I felt the exact same way about that trade with Elijah Hughes. I really loved him last year for Syracuse. You know, he led the ACC. You talked offline about a lot. led, Led the ACC in scoring. You know, that's no small feat, but. I so you know I didn't really like that trade, but uh, Kira Lewis, you know it's a, a really good pick. I like it a lot. You know I'm I'm in the B range for that. You know for him for that one, it looks a little worse when you look at the name right above him and see that Tyrese Halliburton almost fell into their lap. But yeah, regardless, Kira Lewis Jr. You know definitely fills a need for this team. He's a, a, got a great shot. You know another another ball handling guard that's got some good size. You know it seems to be the 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 thing in in new Orleans for sure. And we, we all know Lonzo ball's good, but he's, he's definitely streaky. So, you know, he might, it might be do them well to have a a solid backup for him that can come in there and 
you know, hit some shots for them because Lonzo's not exactly the best shooter. But um, I gave him like a, a B, B plus overall. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and uh, my buddy Phil Tross come on and was saying that he would have preferred Ball in Minnesota. Just real cl- quickly, do you do you agree with Ball going to play in Minnesota alongside of a uh, D'Angelo Russell? Well, I I like that they took Anthony Edwards because he was the number one player on my board. But I do understand the argument, or, or I guess what I, better phrase, I, I would push back against the argument that Lamelo and D'Angelo couldn't have worked together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they actually could have. I mean, the the biggest thing about the NBA is 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 putting talent together, right? And Lamelo's shooting numbers were not great in Australia, but the oh. one part of his shooting numbers that weren't terrible were catch and shoot. So he was horrible off the dribble, um, and he was horrible from the mid range and the three overall. But his specifically his catch and shoot numbers weren't all that horrific. So what I'm my point for saying that is there is some reason to believe that Lamelo if he can learn to cut and play with an emotion offense, wouldn't necessarily be a horrible fit beside another ball handler. And you're going to see that in Charlotte because Devontae Graham can create on the ball. LaMelo ball will be out there with him. And I think that'll work a little better than people thought. So to answer the question, I'm still in support of Edwards, number one, but I also don't buy the argument that LaMelo couldn't have worked there because I think he could have. Austin, do you have any quick thoughts? I mean, honestly, if you just think about it on its face, like any anybody can make an argument for a, a six foot seven point guard with elite passing skills to on in theory be a great fit on any team. But I feel like whoever went number one this year to Minnesota was definitely gonna have an uphill battle in terms of, you know, just winning culture and you know, they definitely don't have the best track record with the guys that are there in terms of, you know, putting winning ahead of everything else. They kind of seem like, you know, Empty. There's a lot of empty numbers there, and I just I don't know if that would have worked out well for for uh, Lamelo Ball. I think he ended up in a better situation for him personally. Yeah, I just and real quick, I think it's really hard, especially in today's NBA, when the point guard arguably may be the most important position on the on the floor. Um, if you're a point guard that can't particularly shoot or score very well and defend. The thing, the other parts of the game that are also very important, you need to be like excellent to elite at in order to just be an average to, you know, borderline all star at. Right. So like mm-hmm. the the catching and shooting numbers, I agree, Lee, were like not terrible, but that all, they also weren't like, you know, no, great. They great. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't they like were good. Slightly less bad than the other shooting numbers. C- correct. Yeah. So, I mean, like they, it doesn't stink as much, I guess is the best way I, I can put yeah. it. Right. So um, with the lack of shooting, the lack of defense, you know, Hey, does that remind you of any other guard that's also on that team? D'Angelo Russell. So like a lot of redundancy there. I, I, I don't really, I don't, I didn't see that as a perfect marriage. I actually prefer Edwards as far as fit wise, not that he's going to be a better player overall than than Lamelo. I think fit wise, it kind of worked a, a little bit more because at least he plays another position and has a you know a, a skill set that's not redundant that they actually still needed as well, right? But um, back to New Orleans, I get, also gave them a B plus. Lee, I also had uh, Kira Lewis Jr. seventh on my board. Love his game. Love his speed. 
Love his defense. A little bit turnover prone. Um, I don't think that that's going to go away with Stan Van Gundy. You know, in a fast-paced offense, running with Zion and Brandon uh, Ingram, which also I love that fit with having someone who can push the ball that Zion doesn't have to wait for to bring up the basketball. Um, you know, Lonzo, I don't know what the long-term plans with him are, so I would have given this a higher grade if they didn't already have Lonzo and they didn't also trade for Eric Bledsoe. I don't think that Bledsoe is in their long-term plans, but Stan Van Gundy is kind of a veteran-friendly NBA head coach. Maybe Bledsoe steals a lot of minutes away from him. I would absolutely hate that because I love Kira Lewis Jr. But ultimately, I think when you can grab the seventh-best player on your board at 13 and you're an up-and-coming team in the Western Conference, you know, kind of good for you, right? Agreed. Definitely. All right. So it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, again, like having a speedster with Zion is going to be a blast, right. right? All right. So now the moment that like two thirds of our network has been waiting for the New York Knicks, <laughs> we're going to evaluate their draft. Austin, they took Obi Toppin at eight and they mm-hmm. took Emmanuel quickly at 25. How do you feel like the Knicks did, brother? Well, honestly, I love both of these picks for uh, the Knicks. You know, Toppin, I didn't expect to be anywhere near still there at eight i had him as my fourth best player on my board and arguably the most nba ready guy in this entire draft you know we know he's going to come in and be able to score right away he's going to give them you know a a basically guaranteed you know 17 18 to 20 some points a night i feel like which is something they've kind of lacked significantly lately um you know putting him next to rj barrett Looks like it'll be a lot of fun too. I'm excited to see what those two can do together. <laughs> I do think that uh, you know Barrett's poised to make a big leap from last year. Yeah. Yep. So you know, I'm also you know kissing up to the boss. I'm giving him an A for sure <laughs> for this draft overall. Well, there you go, Lee. There's a lot of eyeballs on you from our network, man. Are you? Are you? Can you hold up to the pressure and and give them an honest grade? Or are you just going to fold and give them an A plus? No, no, no. I can give them an honest grade and I can do it with a clean conscience okay. uh, because, because I have the receipts. I went on Chris's uh, mock draft and I mocked Obi Toppin to the New York Knicks at eight because eight. because of what Austin said. He's the most NBA ready, uh, immediate, productive player, I think, in this NBA draft. I think he's probably the heads on favorite to win rookie of the year because of that. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, there are defensive concerns. Yes, there are mobility concerns. But he's going to he's going to score and he's going to rebound from day 1 in the NBA. And the New York Knicks, which have a checkered past of decision-making history, seems to be headed now by a intelligent basketball front office. They didn't chase bad contracts this offseason. They added uh reasonable pieces and they seem to be willing to take a little bit of short-term pain and develop a roster rather than continuing to like chase these overpaid veteran players that aren't even going to get you in playoff continuum. So I like what the Knicks are doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also one thing other people were saying prior to the draft was, Oh, the New York Knicks have a million power forwards. Why would they take Obi Toppin? Well, Bobby, <laughs> Portis, Bobby Portis is out of town. Now Taj Gibson is out of town. Now Julius Randall is still there, but that's fine. Um, and then I've got the receipts on Emmanuel quickly. I was banging his drum for months. I told everyone he was a first-round pick. He is a first-round talent. Mm-hmm. He goes 25th. I had him at 19th on my board. 
I think he's going to um, be a much more solid two-way wing in the NBA than people realize. So, look, you know, Knicks get an A, man, and 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 that's because that's my true opinion. And no, I believe you. I I know I knew how you felt about these guys on here. I'm just playing up to to the build of, of the moment with Chris coming here. Obviously, we got like Austin. What do we got like? I mean, easily got like five Knicks fans right on our network. Huge Knicks fans too. Yeah, like we got the, like it, the most serious Knicks fans that I know, bar none. Yep. And hey, Chris it, just it, came it, on and said, "This is why I love Lee." So there you go. If I can make one counterpoint to show that I'm unbiased, I'm not as big as Miles Powell fan as all the Knicks people are right now. That's the one one pushback that I'll give. I don't think he's necessarily going to be uh, your point guard of the future. Although I understand the optimism, he was a hell of a college scorer. Yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. You're just throwing a little bit of an elbow just a little to, bit. Just, just a little bit. Just to keep just, them honest. There you hey, go. <laughs> also, real quick, I just want to uh speak to something that Chris said in his uh in his comment just now recently. I think the difference with those guys that he named that kind of flamed out. And oh, so hang on, just real quick. I don't want I want I I'll let you, you finish go. your thought. That was my buddy sure. Phil who who made that. Oh, not it's Chris. Phil. My bad. It's yep. Phil. Okay. Speaking to Phil's point, my bad. I didn't, didn't even look at the totally name. Totally fine. <laughs> we were talking about Chris. Um, but anyway, I would just say that uh, you know, the difference here is is Obi Toppin's level of athleticism. You know, those guys were for the most part, kind of undersized, below the rim, big body type players, and I, I don't see Obi Toppin in that same mold at all. I think he's he's definitely a fit for the modern NBA for sure. Yeah. And I think the one, like the slight pushback I would give on Phil's part to what you just said is that Derek Williams was also like a freaky athlete mm -hmm. in college, but it's kind of something that you were just speaking on. None of those guys were like as polished scores either. Mm -hmm. And it's, so when we talk about like undersized four, like what is an undersized four in today's NBA? Like he's six, eight, you know, like he's about two thirty, two forty. 240. Like that's not undersized. Like I would say that that's probably like an average size for a power forward in today's NBA. Right. So mm -hmm. he, he can shoot, he can drive, he can dunk. I'm just going to roll into my a plus. That's right. I had an a plus oh. grade for the, for the Knicks as well. Um, Obi Toppin was my second best prospect on the board, largely because it wasn't as projecting for the ceiling as much. It was how high his floor actually is. Uh, the, the defensive concerns, I think playing for Tom Thibodeau, he's going to help to at least improve those. And I don't think that, and Chris just said that he's definitely not undersized, but, um, right. I just I think that whatever defensive concerns that there are, like it's hard for one college player who is not a center to make your defense look elite by himself. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. how much of, you know, Dayton's defense was solely on, you know, top and now granted in his individual matchups, you know, his ability to roll his hips and and move and slide with guys, you could pick that apart. But I think that he can also improve on those in a in a scheme and a system that's really going to help him focus on the defensive end. I think he's also going to be a rookie of the year favorite candidate. He's mine uh, just because of his offensive versatility. And plus, you know, he'll be playing with RJ Barrett and hopefully Mitchell Robinson. still there, I don't know why I always hear Mitchell Robinson potentially getting trade. Um, that was the old front office. Yeah, that was the old front office. Right. Um, and I guess it feels saying that he's more likely Oh, a four that will play the five. I don't see playing next to Mitchell. Rock, I don't see him taking minutes at the five. I mean, maybe he'll give 
know, kind of small some ball small five. ball five minutes. But I mean, Montrez Harrell does the same thing, and he's what six seven, six eight. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, he's similar size, similar build. But um, I just think, and and Chris is going to come on here and give us the whole lineup. He's in. They need to deal Randall and slide Obi to the four. Totally agree. Just don't um, trade with the Hornets, please. I got, I got <laughs> no Julius Randall. <laughs> Well, I mean, the Knicks aren't trading away anybody with Kentucky ties. And, you know, one one thing that you were mentioning early, Lee, about all the moves that they made, I agree with all of that so long as they also played at the University of Kentucky, right? Right. That's ties to CAA. Like, that's what they were after this offseason. They want to capitalize on those relationships. They got a a very player-friendly front office. So that was a lot of the reasons for the moves that they made. Exactly, yep. So you got to lay that foundation. You got to let guys know that, hey, we love you guys. Come on over and play for us. And we also are the New York Knicks, right? So um, I gave them an A-plus. And just real quick on quickly, he was 20th on my board, Lee. I could be talked into 19. I really loved him a lot. I I don't think that his shooting got talked about nowhere near enough. Like this dude is just lights out, just shooting the ball and could take – ridiculously tough shots as well. So in his defense, obviously you spoke on that, Lee, so I'm not going to hit that over the head too much harder. But yeah, I gave him an A+, plus, not 12 pluses like Chris came on and said, but just a, just a real solid A+, plus, nothing special. Hey, we're, we're definitely company guys, that's for sure. <laughs> I wholeheartedly mean that. Like if they I, I quick, do too, I'm just joking. And I really love quickly. Like if they probably would have taken anybody but quickly, like that may have taken them down to a B plus by itself. And I, I, I think too with with Toppin, the the defensive concerns are are pretty overblown. Just because I think the learning curve on defense from college to the NBA is a lot bigger than people really give it credit to it. You know, I think there's a ton about NBA defenses that these guys have to learn. And it's not like he's the type of guy that seems like he doesn't want to play defense or like he doesn't have the athleticism or, you know, ability to do it. I just think he needs, you know, some work with the coaches on that end. And, you know, Thibodeau is definitely going to give him that. So I think those concerns are, are minimal to me at most. And I really, really love him overall. So as a player, and I think the Knicks hit a home run. Yeah, I do too. And he wants to be there, which, you know, how many how many players say that they right. want to be, play in New York, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's a huge benefit for them. All right, Lee, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been busy ever since the word go, and <laughs> that didn't stop on draft night. Uh, at one point, I thought that they were going to have Jaden McDaniels. I was about to be super happy to see him paired up with SGA. It just didn't work out. The cards did not play out that way. They end up getting Alexei Pokachevsky at 17. And a lot of people behind the scenes were like, yeah, the reason that Oklahoma City was trying to get all these picks is because they really like Alexei Pokachevsky, which we thought that the Mavericks were going to walk away with him on draft night. So the the Thunder kind of stole the Mavericks Thunder, if you will, there. They end up with a Theo Maladon at 34. And then I'm going to try my best to say this. If anybody's a fan of this guy, um, one, good for you. Two, don't don't hurt my feelings because this is really the first time I've heard of him. It's Vit uh, Kritsky. Did I say that right? Vit Kritsky? Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. They have right. him. At Nobody 30. will know if he didn't. <laughs> right. That's what, There's probably one person that's going to listen to this. They'd be like, I'm the biggest Vit Kritsky fan there. All right. Anyway, uh, Lee, what, what did you end up giving the Thunder for a grade? A for the Thunder, you know. Um, Whoa. Yep. So Pokusevsky was obviously one of the most polarizing players in this in this class. Um, 
Here's why I love the pick for the Thunder. I had I had Poku at 21, so I'm not even one of these guys who thought that Poku was worth a top 10 pick. What I love about it is the Thunder can be patient. Mm-hmm. The Thunder can take home run swings because Sam Presti and that front office have built up a ton of equity in Oklahoma City. They will allow them to uh, to have short-term pain for, for hopefully a long-term payoff. They, they will be granted that runway. And that's what you need for a situation for Poku to be successful because he's not a player that is going to help you in the first two years of, of his career, in my opinion. I mean, he's the youngest player in the draft. <laughs> he's rail thin. He played in the Greek B League. So, I mean, the jump in competition is titanic for him. Um, you know, he's going to be adjusting to life in America. He is going to come over right away from what yep. I can tell. Um, you may even see him in the G League some this year. Like that's possible, even with as young as the Thunder's roster is. So the reason why I love the pick, because I thought anywhere after pick 15 or so is good risk reward profile for Poku, in my opinion. So they got him at 17. I think that's reasonable. I think it's even more reasonable when you um, consider the situation the Thunder are in. Yeah, they're common, yeah. Yeah, the second part of that A is is Teo Maladon. I mean, he was 12th on my board. I know you're a big Maladon guy. Love Maladon. Um, yeah. I, you know, I won't do my Maladon rant because I've done it quite a few times. But I mean, I wouldn't mind listening to it. I like your Maladon thing, bro. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he's uh, he's a young French point guard that's been playing professional basketball since he was 16 years old. He can shoot off the dribble. He's got great start and stop like attacking ability. He's very herky jerky, but he's also, he's one of those guys that doesn't wow you with his athleticism. But when you watch him, you realize that he pretty much gets by any defender that's in front of him. Um, and he can really pass. So like shooting off the dribble, the ability to get by defenders and the ability to find teammates in a six, four, uh, eight, 19 year olds, like pr- prospect profile, I'm completely on board with that. And again, they can be patient with him. They can play him along SGA if they want to. Um, Vit, I'm not going to give him much on Vit. <laughs> yeah. I, I can be honest and say that I never saw him play. I nope. certainly read some articles post draft. He's he's had some injuries, but he's apparently a kind of six nine swingman with a ton of skill. So. Probably not a guy we see right away, but one to to file away and uh, maybe remember for later. <laughs> just another just another trade asset, right? For you know, for Sam Presti is how I look at it. You know, the rights. You, I could definitely wake up. I can envision one day waking up and seeing an article that says, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder trade for blank, and then in the in the middle of all the stuff they give up, they'll also say and rights to prospect Vince Krisky. So, right. I could definitely see that. All right, Austin, go ahead, brother. Um, You know, the Thunder are on pace to have every first round pick in 2024 or so. So they have no business taking anybody that is, you know, scheduled to to pan right. out right away anyway. So why not take a shot at, at, at a couple young guys with, you know, serious upside? You know, I like what you said about Maladon. He's one that I didn't know a whole lot about. I knew he's from Fran- uh, from France. He's been playing professionally for quite a few years. So Tony Parker, protege. Right. There's definitely some value in that. Um, but uh, Pokashevsky, I mean, they took that late in the first round. You know, 
right at the I think right what right at the end of the seven right past lottery. the lottery yeah right, right past the lottery like just outside of the lottery taking a guy that's seven foot tall that can shoot and handle the ball like he can you know I mean there's nothing but upside there if he does pan out you know they'll look like geniuses in the long run so I gave him an A for for both of those picks I like both those guys a lot and i'm with you guys i'd n- never heard of that vit guy but uh good luck <laughs> to him it. yeah made it further in, in basketball than i ever did yeah i mean to go from nobody hearing about him to be taken 37th overall like again like this may be one of those things like what do the thunder know that we don't obviously they know vit kritschke that would be the starting point right what do they know that mm-hmm. we don't is who right. he is so i mean I how mean, many how many 37th overall picks end up you know, panning out and being big time contributors anyway. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I mean, given a guy who can, I'll, I'll roll into my grade. Uh, don't hate me, Lee. I gave him a C minus. This is like where you and I, this is the first time in the show though, that you and I have been like opposite ends of the scale, right? You got to, you know, you don't learn anything if you just surround yourself with people who think exactly like you. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're welcome, by the way, Lee. So, um, <laughs> Alexi Pokashevsky, I had him 31 on my board. I just, there's too much risk there for me to take him with a, a number one pick. But if I had the first pick in the second round, heck yeah, I would like take a chance on Alexi, right? He's real thin, like you mentioned. What position does he play? You know, he's not really super athletic. So, and he's not like a, a plus defender. So maybe you tried, you know, a funky lineup a la Myers Leonard, you know, playing like a stretch four role. Um, but he also can handle and shoot. So it's, it's, he's just like you mentioned, he's polarizing. That's like the perfect word that, like, if you look up the word polarizing in the dictionary, there would be Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, I'm also not high. This is why I say don't hate me. I'm also not super high on uh, Teo Maladon. I did have him 40 on my board. So taking him here, you know, made a little bit of sense as far as, you know, where I had him graded and where he ended up being selected. I also like the idea of playing him next to SGA. So, you know, he taking him here made a little bit of sense to me. We talked about this before on on either this segment or the one prior to it where, you know, you get in these mid 30s and on, you know, if you got a guy that you really like, you know, just take him. You know, so mm-hmm. I get that. And again, I'm not going to go on a big, you know, soliloquy on fit here because I don't know anything about the guy. So when there was a guy who was eighth on my board, like a Cassius Winston available, Good and boy. he may not fit the timeline particularly well, mm-hmm. he was still there. You could have taken him at 37 and I would have gave the Thunder way better grade. Probably would have bumped him up to a B just for that alone. But uh, yeah, solid C minus there for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we will roll into the last team of this segment, the Orlando Magic. Uh, I want to start with this one just because I want to break my arm patting myself on the back. This Mm -hmm. was the guy that, you know, Lee, you did this earlier with Obi Toppin. In my mock draft, I had the Orlando Magic taking Cole Anthony with the 15th pick. So with that, I gave them an A. Um, I don't know why I didn't give them an A+. Maybe it's just because he was like their only pick. And maybe I don't really... Like, how much does it really help the Orlando pass in A, right? So um, I had him a lot higher on my board than where he was taken, though. I had him ninth on my board. And I really think that this is what the Magic needed, is a guy who has lead, lead guard capability and potential, a guy that should be able to go and get a bucket. That's one thing that they've lacked for years, is just a guy who can go get their own bucket. And I think that Cole Anthony could be one of those guys. I think that he could be that type of point guard in today's NBA. So 
the magic taking him at 15 made total sense to me. Lee, I gave him an A. What did you give him? Yeah, I gave him a B. I like the Cole Anthony pick a lot, especially considering who was still left on the board and what the Orlando Magic kind of need to infuse on that roster. Um, I had him at 18th. They got him at 15th. Um, don't have any issues with it at all and, and have certainly kind of shared my opinions on the the tough part about evaluating Cole Anthony is – his inefficient shooting numbers paired with the fact that he was on a highly deficient roster at UNC. Yes. So it just kind of depends on where you fall on, on that argument, whether you believe Cole Anthony is more at fault for his unimpressive efficiency numbers or whether he was making the best out of a horrible situation. I kind of fall in the middle of those two arguments. And um, I think with, improved health and with a more kind of a more open system with better players around him, obviously could be a huge benefit to Anthony. and he's going to have opportunity. I mean, Markel Fultz is there and he's coming along, yep. but DJ Augustine uh, is not anymore. So there are guard minutes to be had in Orlando. And I think Anthony is capable of contributing as a rookie. So solid B. Yeah. He just also want to throw this out there. I was asked, to, you know, on a show that I that I made a guest appearance on, who my dark horse rookie of the year candidate would be, and mine is Cole Anthony. I think if you're looking at kind of like the um, outside the usual suspects, I think Cole Anthony has a real shot in Orlando to make a case for rookie of the year, especially if they end up being a playoff team. What do you think, Austin? What did you end up giving the Magic? Well, I gave him a B plus. Um, I'm kind of in the middle on Cole Anthony. I, I like him. I think he's he's. I like his game a lot. I think he's got a lot of potentials. You know, he's got, you know, the NBA blood for sure. That'll help. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good defender. He's, you know, he's plenty athletic and quick enough to play the point guard position. He's got all the, the physical ability in the world. I just worry that he kind of doesn't seem like he's going to be a, a, a fit in the locker room right away. He kind of seems a little bit full of himself to me, mm. arrogant in a way. I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of always have gotten that about him. I feel like, also, too, the sons of former players kind of sometimes have to, like, you know, prove themselves just that little bit much more as well. So I actually do think it's, it, ends, it ended up being a good spot for him in, in uh, Orlando, somewhere where, you know, there's not going to be a ton of expectations or hype, and there's not really, like, a bona fide alpha dog in that locker room. So, you know, it may be poised for him to, to step into kind of a leadership role early on, and it may end up working out in his favor. I'm, you know, we'll see. But – uh I went with a B plus, you know, I like the pick, you know, where he, where he was in the draft and who was left. I mean, I don't know if there's anybody else better that I would have taken. So, you know, B plus. All right. Solid. Great. All right, Lee. Well, real quick before we wrap up, that's um, just for anyone watching or listening. Uh, that's the end of our draft segment. Lee, we, you and I are both like just now starting to put our feet in the water at least on evaluating prospects for the upcoming NBA draft, you know, date um, TBD to be determined. We don't know what the second half of the NBA schedule looks like right now. So with that being said, Lee, who are some prospects that have garnered a lot of your attention right now? And like, who, who are some guys that people should just like have in their back pocket um, to yeah. evaluate for next year's draft? Yeah, totally. Um, so here's a couple of things I would say about the 2021 NBA draft as of now. Uh, number one, first and foremost, it's so, so early. Most teams have only played like anywhere from two to four games. So 
having any type of firm numbers on prospects is really hard to do. Even developing ranges right now is hard to do because there's so many guys we haven't seen yet. Um, mm-hmm. For example, the G League team grabs right. Exactly. So there's at least four guys on the NBA G League Ignite team, which is a new thing this year where some of the top prospects uh, from grassroots basketball are going to be playing on a team uh, in the G League, essentially. Um, And we don't know when we're going to see those players. Jalen Green, Jonathan Kamunga, Deshaun Nix, and and, uh, Soto. Kai Soto, right? Yeah, Soto, yes. and, uh, And Isaiah Todd. Um, so those those are five guys we haven't seen yet. Tennessee hasn't played yet. They've got two super freshmen and Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Um, but here's a couple things I would say that I have seen so far. Out of the guys I've seen so far, I think there are three guys that are slightly separating themselves. Evan Mobley is the seven-footer uh, from Southern Cal that can mm-hmm. do just, a, just about a little bit of everything. He can really pass for a seven-footer. That's his, his most impressive skill right now. Uh, Jalen Suggs, the point guard from Gonzaga, has been just phenomenal. Yes, he's in probably the perfect situation, uh, but um, the way he operates in the pick and roll um, and, and as mature as an on-ball creator as he is, he, he's been just unbelievable. And then um, the last guy in that group would be Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma yeah. State. You know, he kind of came into the – into this class is somewhat of a consensus number one guy. I love Kate Cunningham, the way he changes directions at six, eight, um, his shooting numbers have actually been pretty solid so far. He's on a less talented team at Oklahoma state and is kind of carrying the load there. Those three guys to me are in the, in the top elite class right now, still a long, long way to go. Two guys in kind of the mid, uh, mid to late lottery discussion that I really like is Dayron Sharp from UNC, mm-hmm. six six ten six eleven freshman that can really pass as well. He's a in tremendous offensive rebounder and a rim protector. I think he's starting to su- surprise some people. Um, and then Kai Jones um, is yeah, a at Texas at Texas that he's six eleven swingman basically. Um, yeah. They had, he, he's he's disguised as just a like a power forward right now, but he's massive. Yeah. But he's got ball skills, and there's always a guy that makes a huge jump from freshman to sophomore year that we don't expect, and maybe maybe that's Kai Jones. Yeah. Um, last other things that I'm really kind of like putting my foot in the sand on, or whatever, however you want to say it. Corey <laughs> is a first round talent. I thought he was a. First I know that you love Kispert. Yeah, he's. Probably going to finish the season as a, a 50, 40, 90 shooter, which is really hard to do. He's like um, a baby Kevin Love, it looks like, you know, like the way yeah, he plays. 6'7, 220, and just shoots the cover off the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love him. And then the last thing I'll say, maybe a guy that most people don't know about, Sandro Mamu Kilishvili. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you post on, you. anyone who follows you on Twitter I knows know. that you love, that, that you love Sandro. Loves Mamu, Sandro, whatever you want to call him. He's got a bunch of great names. He's got a good game too. He's another, he's another massive dude. I mean, he didn't have a great game his last game though. I will say the last game that I watched them play, he he wasn't his normal Sandro self. Yeah, he's he can be. I mean, he was great against Louisville. Um, yep. I thought he was a draftable prospect in the 2020 class, like second round type guy. I mean, um, if Christie could get drafted, you know, then why not, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so 
I think he's a guy that not a ton of people are paying attention to yet. He's a senior. He's an older prospect. But yeah. um, at 6'11", with ball skills and the ability to shoot, I, I think he will rise and surprise some people. Yeah, uh, just a, just a, a guy that I want to put in the mix of, of those guys. Um, M- Baby Bagley, Marcus Bagley, is kind of a baller yeah. right now at Arizona State. Arizona State guys yet, but I've heard great things about him and Josh Christopher. Do yourself a favor. I, so here's the thing: is Josh Christopher was Next supposed on my list. I got him hey, right here. <laughs> I'm with you. I got I got my notes. I just sat down yep. and watched some Cade Cunningham tape uh, today. So. Uh, first off, Cade Cunningham has a very mature game. He's like he he plays like a grandpa, like a like your grandpa league in the at the Y. You know, it doesn't do anything outside of his comfort zone, and the things that he does, he does like at a very next level. Mm-hmm. I will say, I wish he was slightly more aggressive. Like that's the one knock in his game to me is that he does like he's very pass first, which is totally fine. Like I like pass first, but. He doesn't really have like an aggressive on the court personality. Maybe that's just a preference of mine, right? But um, I would throw Marcus Bagley on your watch list right now for Arizona State because Christopher was supposed to be like the number one guy, and he might still very you know by the end of the season might still be that guy. But Marcus Bagley coming in like has just popped off the screen, you know. So mm-hmm. like he he's one guy that I'm kind of like he might end up being like my guy that I just like am so in love with that he I have him ridiculously high compared to other people is my Marcus Bagley. Austin Cash he could be my Cassius Winston except that he's go. not he's not a senior, you know. So. Right. True. <laughs> so um, Austin I do have a name that I'm interested in what you guys think his draft value is is Luca Garza from uh, Iowa. I mean he's, he's really just tough, man. Absolute scoring machine, you know putting up those kind of numbers in the big 10, like he did last year, 24 points per game. That's incredible, mm-hmm. but he does seem like he doesn't have a, a, you know, an NBA type of game. He's kind of a below the rim kind of player. Like we talked about earlier. What do you guys think of him in terms of draft value? You can go ahead, Lee. I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. Um, I think, right. People are trying to figure out whether Luca Garza is like a Tyler Hansborough. Just Dude, I said the same thing. I said the yes, same he did. Thing uber uber productive college player I, I honestly i'm not ready to like i'm not ready to cast him into that boat yet you know right. i want to see right. i want to see luca garza this season uh in league play against some really good teams and you know they haven't played anyone great yet but his numbers have been just like mind-boggling really right um, 34 a game right now <laughs> yeah he had like 30 in the first half i want to say though yeah he, out, he outscored western uh western illinois by himself in the first half of their game the other night ridiculous like 30 yeah. to 28 at halftime he had 30 so like if you may if you made me make a call on him today i would probably have him in the second round but i would agree with that yeah. i'm not uh i'm not married to that opinion and i'm willing to kind of right. watch him over the year and and mm-hmm. see how it yeah, I've heard varying opinions on him too. I kind of liken him to Tyler Hansborough because, like you, you know, everything that you love about college basketball, like he epitomizes that just the way that he plays the game. Right. But when you, when we watch these guys, right, and we try to project them to that next level, like what part of that game actually carries effectively to the next level, right? Like rebounding will probably be there, but um, you know, he has shown the ability to stretch the floor a little bit, so. Uh, he is kind of a black hole on offense and maybe he, that's just the system that they run. You know, maybe that's what's yeah. asked of him, but 
you know, you would like to see them do him, you know, you would like to see his coaching staff do him a favor and put him in some playmaking abilities to kind of show how versatile he can be on that offensive end, unless it's just Mm -hmm. not there, you know, not everybody can be a seven foot guy who can, you know, score inside it out and make that excellent, you know, dribble, dribble pass, you know, to the, to the corner, you know? So he, he's kind of that black hole offensively. Lee, I'm with you. Like if I had uh, the first, if I had a first round draft pick, I wouldn't take him. But if I had like that 30 through 35 pick, maybe I just take a stab at Luka Garza and see what I have in him. Maybe he turns into like a Nikola Vucevic type of player at the next level. That would be my, my analysis so far. And again, like you, Lee, I'm not married to that. Perfect. Interesting. I actually personally like him a lot. I think he's, you know, I like the Tyler Hansborough comparison, but he is six foot 11. He's quite, he's significantly taller, a little, you know, than Hansborough was. And he's a little bit better shooter. And yeah. he's a black hole on offense because Iowa gives him the ball to score, to shoot almost every time down the court. I mean, I would right. be, I would love to see his usage rate because they, they rely on him for, Everything. so much of their scoring <laughs> yes exactly they they run their entire offense through him in the post so you know it's it's not that big of a thing for me that he seems like a little bit of a black hole on offense i like him i think i think he's going to surprise people he's bigger than people realize and i mean like i said anybody that can put up those kind of numbers against the big 10 uh to me is you know doing something special so i would just, I just say was interested watch- to see what you guys thought I would say watch some of these other freshmen that we're talking about, Austin, and maybe mm-hmm. that would make you kind of. Oh, I, I didn't necessarily mean yeah, yeah. up in their in their class. I just meant you know first round draft pick. Yeah, he, he could. I mean, like like Lee and I were saying, he. I, I think Lee, you, you feel the same way. Like he could be a late first round pick. Like I don't think mm-hmm. that he's going to be anything like in the lottery. I don't project right. that, but like he could be a late first rounder. But yeah, um, Lee, just want to thank you so much, man, for coming on to the show tonight. Um, you know, we have one more segment with you, uh, where we're going to wrap up the last eight teams in the NBA. Uh, just want to give you a quick minute, man, just to plug yourself where the folks can find you and your work and anything that you have going on in the, uh, in the lab right now. Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys as always, man. It's, it's, it's such a fun time to come and uh, chop it up with you guys. Um, obviously folks can see my Twitter handle, uh, at which Carolina, um, you can find our podcast under the same name on on just about any streaming platform that you might consume your uh, sports content. So uh, give me a follow or, or check out my stuff there or check out our podcast. And then I'm always uh, writing for hoopsprospects.com as well. Uh, Rich does a great job with the site and uh, I'll be contributing there with a lot of 2021 NBA draft stuff. And, and of course, some Charlotte Hornet stuff as well. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. And Lee, we're going to wrap up here um, ourselves, but we we know we only got you for a little bit amount of time, man. So I just want to, we're going to let you go. And then Austin, I will close out the show, but we just want to thank you again so much, man, for coming on. It's always a blessing when our cross pass, man. Oh, me, especially, me especially. I'm super thankful. I've got a, a big thank you gift for you for filling in for me because you know oh. way more about these draft prospects than I do. Honestly, hey. no lie. Anybody that's listening, as far as people that I personally have talked to about it, I think Lee is the most knowledgeable guy in terms of draft prospects that there is out there. So, you know, read what he writes, listen to what he says. He knows what he's talking about. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys a lot, man. I, I got my little niche and I'll try and keep filling it. <laughs> you, you, well, you do you do great work, man. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And we'll catch up with you soon. Peace Have out. A guys. Good one. All right. Later, brother. 
All right, Austin, that was uh, Lee Branscombe of HoopsProspects.com. Yes, and, uh, dude, it's it's always nice when, like I said, it's mm-hmm. not just lip service. I'll say it again. Any Anytime we get to work with Lee, man, it's a blessing, isn't it? Right. It definitely is. I can't think of one person that we've even, you know, considered working with that we haven't absolutely loved. So we're lucky yeah. in that aspect for sure. We have a very rigorous screening process that we go yes, through we before we just let people come on. So it's not like we were just like struck gold and having Lee on here. Right. We, right. we spoke with him several times, but, uh, you know, he, he does great work. Please go to hoopsprospects.com and check his work out. Definitely. It's really, really well. And I'm sure that he's going to have a lot of people prepared for this upcoming draft. That's, that's where I go to get all my notes for these shows about draft prospects is from his notes. So. All right. Well, there you go. That's why you always agree with him. That makes a lot of sense. So there you oh, go. Makes me look good. <laughs> That's true. He does. <laughs> but anyway, man, Um, before we close the show, I didn't run this by you before the end. But, uh, you know, we had some big news for for yes, the show coming up. Um, We don't have all of the details yet, Austin. But do you want to share with the folks what, um, you know, the big news is? Yeah. So we... Stephen and I, the Breaking the Game podcast, is joining the Dash Radio Network on the Nothing But Net channel, which mm-hmm. is awesome. We're super excited. I mean, I know I am. I'm like astounded <laughs> at it. So super happy, ready to put in, keep putting in the work, ready to make the show even better. Um, you know, anybody that's been listening to us will will hear this and know that I mean it. But uh, I'm worried about that time limit. Cause we like yeah. to talk. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be different, but we'll be able to get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're running at about an hour and 10 minutes on the um, dash radio that Austin is talking about. Um, he said dash radio network, uh, not to nitpick, but I just want to put out there that we're not leaving off the ball network for something different. This no, is just going to be an additional platform that we're going to be on. That's going to allow us to promote our show and even off the ball network.com where you mm-hmm. can get all of your sports needs plug, but yes, um, we were, you know, so kind of how this happened was, is that uh, the off the ball network president, Chris LeBron, who's, you know, great friend of Austin and I, uh, he was brought onto the dash radio um, platform that they have. And he does a show, which, you know, is every Monday at noon. It's a great time. So please go check that out. Um, he was in, in, in touch with the, with Rob, who is kind of in charge of the nothing but net channel on um, dash radio. And they had recently let, you know, so there was some stuff that happened to where they needed to fill some time slots and they reached out to Chris. Chris, you know, spoke kindly enough of our show to where they were interested in bringing us on, you know, reached out to me and Austin. And, you know, right now we don't know exactly when we're going to air and how many times a week, you know, typically we record twice a week. We're not going to be able to guarantee that both of those are going to be on dash radio, but there is a possibility that both can be. So we don't, we're neither here nor there on that yet. We don't know what day we're going to air yet, but we do know um, we put our name or, you know, our ink to paper. We know that we're going to be on the network. And as soon as we find out more details, we will definitely keep you guys posted and, and, you know, informed and up to date. But I just want to take this time Austin, just to thank the viewers and the listeners who have supported mm-hmm. our shows and obviously has helped us to be able to reach another step on the ladder, so to speak. Right. Me too. Definitely. Thank you, everybody who's supported the show and and any time between since we started and now. Thank you, Stephen, for having me as your co-host. I'm glad we, you know, connected and figured this out and got doing this together. I think it's it's been a lot of fun for me, for sure. I think we've we've grown a lot. Definitely. I'm excited for what the future holds. 
um, you know, Dash Radio, I, I couldn't be more happy, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, you know, like you said, it's another step on that ladder. We're, we're on our way, I feel like. Yeah. And, you know, big shout out to all the viewers, listeners, shout out to all the incredible guests that we've had on the show. Oh, we're going to have more coming. Austin, I haven't even shared this with you yet, but I'm going to talk with you Ooh. offline. I already got more people, you know, in the works that we're going to have here on the show here soon. Sounds good. So to please me. just, uh, you know, keep, keep, you know, sharing the show, keep, you know, liking, subscribing, reviewing, listening, all that fun stuff. Um, my buddy Phil just said, Thanks, you know, Phil. great show guys. Loved it. Uh, Big Phil, we got to have you on soon, man. Uh, right. he, so, you know, once upon a time when, you know, we were on a different network before off the ball, uh, Austin and I were there. Yeah. Phil was there, too. And I will tell you that Phil has one of the, um, yeah, I, am, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like seductive voices I've ever heard oh, on the definitely. radio. That's fine. He's, he's got like a very like Barry White, Good Luther Vandross, like he's. You know, you just listen. It's like butter on the radio. That's what his he would. Voice be, he like. would be breaking the game after dark. So, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, for the grown and sexy, so to speak. Right. <laughs> but uh, Phil, appreciate you um, tuning in tonight, man. We got to have you on the show. Miss working with you, big guy. But um, Austin, do you have anything that you want to share with the people other than obviously us partnering up with Dash Radio? Um, not anything super specific right now. I'm still working on my series of articles called "Did They Do Enough?" I got the third one out. A couple of days ago, I uh, covered the Los Angeles Lakers and all the moves that they made this offseason. So you can go ahead on Off the Ball Network and check that out. And yeah, thank you for you know catching me on that. I definitely didn't want to, anyone to think that we were leaving Off the Ball Network in any way. You know, yeah. I love it. I, we we both we both know how we feel about everybody there. So that's definitely never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, they're the but, reason. Well, they're like the big reason why we are where we are today. You know, they've helped us grow right. so much. Well, I mean, it's our immense talent, first and foremost. Well, other than us just being amazing. Right. No, <laughs> I'm obviously kidding. No, those guys know how much they mean to us. They're definitely, you know, one of the best support systems that you could ask for. Yeah. And we, we bring it up every episode. I'm going to do it today. You know, I wish everybody had the group chat that we have with those guys. Right. Like, talk every day. We bounce ideas off each other. We share when we're struggling, you know, like we just kind of, you know, do life together. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's amazing. I wish everybody had that same support system. Right. Me too. It's awesome. I definitely, you know, never realized how much I was missing something like that until I had it. You know, now that I have it, it's like, it's great. I don't feel like, I don't feel like a crazy person when I'm rambling about <laughs> sports because everybody else, that's all they do on there all day too. And at the same time, I don't feel like I'm boring people when I get way too into like stupid nonsense statistics and stuff because, <laughs> you know, they actually understand what I'm talking about. So it's nice. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's why I like working with you, man, is because like I'm in my element. I'm in my yes. element. Same here. I definitely, you know, enjoy doing this with you twice a week. I'd like I hope that we can keep it twice a week on Dash Radio. If not, you know, we'll we'll make it work one way or another. But. I yeah. definitely don't want to do any less work. That's for sure. Yeah. It, yeah. So I'll just touch on that real quick. Austin. We'll, we're still going to do twice a week. We just don't know if mm -hmm. twice a week is going to be aired, you know, so we, we right. may only have one, but like I said, we'll, you know, Rob from nothing but net reached out to us, you know, last night and said that there's a potential that both recordings could be on there. So we'll, we'll see. And we'll keep you updated. Right. He said that he would let us know this week. So, you know, hopefully by Thursday we'll have, you know, more complete information for you. But, 
you know, just mm-hmm. couldn't hold it back. You know, have to shout it from the mountains that, you know, Dash Radio, nothing but net channel. Please go look them up on Twitter. Um, you know, they do a lot of great stuff. And like I said, Chris LeBron, our, our network president, is a part of that same network. So we're going to be working with him on off the ball and on nothing but net. So it's just double awesome. your pleasure, double your fun. Well, good. I definitely have more than enough to talk about the cover two hours. So the more, the better. <laughs> well, there we I got, go. I got stacks of notebooks like this, the stuff I want to get to. No. Oh, man. Well, we got to talk here soon after this then. All right. Well, let's let's keep this under an hour and 30 minutes. We're at an hour and 16 right now. Um, right. You know, Austin, just thank you for what you do, man. Really appreciate working with you. Um, you know, prayers continue for you and your family. Hopefully the missus is thank feeling you. better. Um you know, unfortunately, and, not really yet, but I feel you. Mom. Hopefully, she'll start recovering here soon. She's a little bit better, but that's good, mate. Well, we've been praying my, for you guys. My daughter had her, had her tonsils out this week, too. So, Oof. that on top of everything was another challenge. So, yeah, well, it's been it's been a long week here for, for me to say the least. But yeah, well, you know. we're, we're going to continue okay. to pray for the car residents, man, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that, guys. It means a lot to all of us. And I know. It definitely does. Thank you very much. Yep. And just if you could please just continue to send, you know, all, all your thoughts and prayers to to my wife. She, you know, she she could mm-hmm. be she could be having a baby as soon as I'm done with this episode. I don't know. She could be in labor right now. But, right. but um, you know, just that's how much we love doing this show for you guys. Is that <laughs> he doesn't even know. She could be I don't even know. in the hospital and he wouldn't even know. No. I wouldn't even know. Obviously. And my and my wife is a little bit better husband than that. Well, just to kind of share a little bit of my life with you guys, my wife may just be like, well, I just went to the hospital because I didn't want to interrupt your show. And I would be like, what are you talking about? Anyway, yeah, this is kind of how things work here. But, um, yep. you know, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll end on a good note. Um, Austin, you know, do you want to say something nice to the people? Yeah, thanks for everything. All the support, everybody who listens, everybody who watches, everybody who critiques us, even if you think we don't know what we're talking about. Thank you for taking a little time out of your day to at least pay attention to us because that's what's helped get us to where we are now. And I I just ready to keep it going and see see how big we can make this thing. So thank you guys. You're all a part of it for sure. And you know, I know I speak for Steven and myself when I say how much we appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't have anything else to add to that. So for my awesome co-host, Austin Carr, for myself, for the Breaking the Game podcast, which you can follow at the two, you know, little tags that you have on Instagram at Twitter at BTG NBA pod. You can follow Austin at Austin Carr 10. You can follow myself at Steven BTG on Twitter. And we just love and appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.